everybody, and welcome to Transistor Radio, a story this far podcast that's broadcasting everything trans. I'm your very sick transistor, Erin. And I'm your transistor, Athena, who is very sad that Erin is sick and cannot bring Erin chicken noodle soup because that's a long flight and the soup would yeah. get cold. Yeah. I gotta, uh, do they make like, chi- that, actually, before I even say it, it sounded gross. Chicken noodle bisque sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. I think like if done well, chicken noodle bisque could be good. Like, see, I hate bisque though. <laughs> oh, okay, I fucking love bisque, specifically tomato basil bisque. I could eat that mm-hmm. shit all day. Like, I like tomato. I like basil. I, I don't like it cold. <laughs> oh, oh no 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 no. Okay, I don't serve. Never mind. You're right. Because I'm thinking of like like uh, Panera Bread. It has a tomato basil bisque. Maybe I might be thinking hot. of bisque is wrong. Maybe bisque is supposed to be cold. If it is, I've never had it cold. I've only I ever had no hot idea. bisque. We are here on your new food channel. <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome to uh, Food Aaron. Sister Network, Food Sister Radio, uh, where we just talk about food, which is ironic given our really silly thing that we are actually talking about food, but that's for <laughs> later, not for now. Um, you know, this is a great segue because some people like to use food in sex, which is our topic for today. What a segue. I don't oh like gosh. to use food in sex, so... It's not, not a segue not, for me, but if that does it for you, cool. Great. Have fun. Not a big fan. Go. Like, not nuts. saying totally foreign. Not saying haven't tried it. Not a big fan. I mean, like, a little whipped cream I've tried, but that's it. Like, edible, edible this or that, chocolates and things, you know, but. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. If you haven't caught on by our title, which is Let's Talk About Sex, which is totally Baby, not a reference to Let's, let's talk, about, talk About yeah, Sex. Yeah. Definitely not a reference to that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's totally Um But <laughs> the, this episode is going to be incredibly NSFW, so um, don't be like the person we were talking to last week where we kept having to tell them to turn it off their speakers. <laughs> um, definitely don't play it on their speakers unless, like, us talking about sex is, like, nice audio foreplay for you in which case go for it uh but otherwise do you you go nuts uh otherwise we might recommend headphones for this episode we're gonna get lewd dun 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 nuts let's go nuts also side note if by any chance some of my family has found it please respect me don't listen to this shit if you're a friend i've already told you all this a million times so it's whatever if my family is still listening after last so at last last episode in which i talked about like um Let's see here. Pegging and anal sex. Um, <laughs> you, you've like, you've just kind of accepted your fate. In which case, welcome. It's going right. to get weirder. <laughs> so you say we're talking sex. So what specifically are we talking about today? So we're talking about stuff that we're talking about changes, right? Um, because I didn't expect this to happen when I started transitioning, but my sexuality, my sexual preferences, and my tastes in general have changed drastically from where I was pre-transition. Um, like, my sexuality has changed, my what I look for is attractive qualities in a partner has changed. Um, like, heck, even how I interact with partners has changed. Um, and so a lot of stuff um, that I didn't expect to change changed on me and so today we're going to talk about like the goal is to talk about not only what changed but why it might have changed and i know my my for me like so much stuff has changed and i have like choose very different partners or choose partners differently than the way i used to 
after transition. But I know for you, the changes aren't nearly as significant. Yeah, whereas you, when you say change, you're talking like a 180 kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I but... went from straight to pansexual. <laughs> and that However... was straight into women, by the way. Right. Into pansexual. Right. Uh, but with me, mine's, they did change, but it's more of a, like, evolve. Like, they, they didn't get different. I still like the same things, or same type of people, and same style. However, how I enjoy that, and to what depth, and certain things have opened up. And so, like, at a core, I still like the same stuff. It's just that, like, uh, the, the little island that I have has kind of grown a little bit more into this little continent. So <laughs> I did not change lands. It just got bigger. Meanwhile, I moved like halfway across the world and like right. completely changed my world perspective and probably did move from like a small island country to a large continent, um, <laughs> a very large continent that has lots of people on it because I'm pan and everyone can be on my continent. That sounds incredibly in, like, a, like a euphemism. <laughs> be on my continent, baby. So let's, let's stop beating around the bush. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Uh, well, in this case, it would be beating off the bush, given our topic, but yeah, whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, what, what was that? Where were, you going? Where were you going with Tell that us. segue before I derailed it? <laughs> Tell us how you changed. What was what was the? You, I mean, you said it, you went from straight to pan, but tell us like that discovery. How how that changed? Was yeah. It? So the like the steps to get there took a while. So um, the first step that happened is actually something we talked about in the previous episode where we talked about like our last straw moments, um, and. In that, like the the thing that led me to finally like realize I was trans, the the thing that like started the cascading events was getting into pegging, and becoming like going from being the person who was dominant in the room to the person who was submissive. Um, what doing that made me realize, and what like I've come to confirm is that I tend to prefer to be submissive. I'm not a very like good dominant person. Um, if you are familiar with the definitions of, or like the terms that the BDSM community describe, uses to describe people, I can best be described as a brat. Um, so brats are people who they want to be like dominated, like they are a submissive person. And I, I, let's not use, like, I'm not using dominated in the sense that like, like the really extreme tradition, yeah, like, like I was, view of I was BDSM. About to, I was about to I'm using it clarify something. in this I'm using it in this case as I'm the bottom in the relationship. That means if, if there's a penis involved, I am the one primarily taking said penis, not giving the penis. Are you taking orders or giving them? Usually taking, but it's not like most of my sexual encounters would not be described as like someone giving orders and someone taking orders. Right. More like I am the one who's going to get fucked, not the one who is doing the fucking. Okay. That's the best way to describe it. That can take a lot of forms because it's possible to be a submissive person who is fucking somebody, right? Like, mm -hmm. like that's like a power bottom, right? Yeah. Um, but for me specifically, it is I am a bottom, but I'm a bottom who likes to fight back and make you work for it. <laughs> like, I, I will be like coy and and stuff like that. And because what I've realized like is a large part... It thrives off of sarcasm, and you kind of have a good sarcasm yeah. generator or something. 
Yeah, exactly. It's almost like sarcasm is like 90% of my humor or something. Um, but it, it largely stems from the fact, sarcasm is a huge part of it, um, but also like it largely stems from the fact that nowadays, as a woman, I am confident in who I am and in my identity, and I have very few questions about myself internally, so I bring that confidence to the bedroom. Just, I also recognize that that confidence only extends so far as you putting a penis in me. Which, by the way, penis isn't required. Penis could also be an analog for strap-on, because strap-ons are penises made of plastic, and they are wonderful. Right. Um, or dildos. Like, whatever. Right, right. Pick your poison. Long, insertable objects. Here we go. <laughs> cool. Um, but it took a long time to get there. I used to think of myself as a top, especially pre and I thought I was a top. But, like, I always had this hang-up on being, like, traditionally dominant. Like, I never gave orders. I never... Like, I never wanted to give orders. I was terrible at dirty talk. Like, because I... Not in the sense of, like, it's really bad dialogue. More like, it's like, saying something like, get on your knees for me, was an active turnoff. So, like, it was just usually no dirty talk. Um, and... Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> for, for a long time, um, like, sex for me was all about just getting off. Right? Like, it was just have sex, orgasm, great, cool, we're done, that's all I need from sex. Um, that led to some serious issues, which is why it took so long to get to me being pan, but I'll cover that soon. Um, but being forced to be submissive as part of, like, pegging, like, being the one who's taking instead of giving, suddenly, like, changed this whole dynamic. And my body was like, holy shit, I just want to do this all the time, I don't even care if I get off, this is just fun. And now my my body was like, hey, cool, what if we just did that instead of topping, because that's better, right? And then from there, like, that's where things started spiraling. So basically within six months of, trend, like, six months of doing pegging, I was to the point where I was like, I don't really want to have sex with women, because my thought process at the time was... Um, the women I dated all wanted to be submissive, and so I was like, I would rather be the bottom, so I don't want to be dating, like, like at the time, for example, it was my fiance was a woman who wanted to be submissive, and I'm like, that's not going to work, because we're basically both bottoms, and we're both bottoms in a relationship together. Bottoms don't have sex well together because they both want a bottom for the other, and the other's like, no, I'll be the bottom, and then it's like, but, but what if I was the bottom? It just circular loop nothing ever happens right um so eventually it got to the point with my with my fiance at the time where we just weren't having sex because i wasn't interested in having sex with her when you couple all of the dysphoria that i got from topping um with the fact that i preferred being a bottom we just basically never had sex um and so by when that relationship came to an end when i moved back from um my one semester at grad school that relationship officially ended um when that happened i actually went straight right but now as a woman i was straight the other direction <laughs> um i was now only dating men um that got me into i did uh, i wasn't interested in pursuing a long-term relationship because i was like i'm far too focused on who i am and trying to figure out who i am because i was basically at this point the only things i was doing was working and then coming home and figuring out what i needed to do to transition uh and so i didn't want to do a long-term serious relationship so i got involved in some casual sex which i had with men um and then like i did some fun stuff with casual sex and i kind of enjoyed it but um finally 
um, so I, I thought I was only into men, and then I got to the point where I was actually dating um, a female, specifically trans female partner, who wanted to be both top and bottom. And I wanted to be able to provide that. I wanted to be able to top. And it actually caused serious issues for me. Um, I had this thing where I only figured this out with my therapist. I had um, the reason I was going so hard into just being a bottom and exclusively only ever a bottom and nothing else was because I was scared of acting like old me. Because um, old me, sex was very much about just getting what I want out of it. And I don't give a shit what my partner wants. Old me in that way was very like, it wasn't, it was very like greedy sexually and I didn't want to do that anymore. And so, so subconsciously my body had been like, you're not that person anymore. We're just never going to top because then you don't have to deal with it. And so it took a little soul searching, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, I don't mind topping, which has led me to where I am now, which is I like both men and women. And I see aspects in both of them. There's probably more detail I'm going to go into in the course of this episode, I don't want to just spend the next 45 minutes talking about only me, though. I want Aaron to have some time to talk. Um, but long story short, I went through this. I started with only being interested in women all the way up until transition. Um, being Getting into being a bottom made me switch 100% to the other side of only being interested in men. And then experimenting with um, some other partners and some other trans women that I'd been with, because um, it was specifically two trans women. Um, who ended up leading me to figuring out everything else. Um, I eventually got to the point where I am now where I recognize that I am pan. I am attracted to people because of their personality um, and also physical. Uh, if I'm just looking at someone and have no knowledge of their personality nowadays, like my default instinct is I'm attracted to men, uh, which by the way, definitely a hundred million percent changed after HRT. We'll, I'll talk about that later. Um, but when I'm just judging on physical, like, attractiveness, if I have no knowledge of the person's personality, I tend to lean towards being attracted to men. Um, but I have met women, um, for example, my current partner, who I am attracted to even though she is very feminine. Um, and I'm attracted both raw physical and personality-wise. But personality is the other big factor. Um, that, like, I would say roughly 50% of my attraction to a person is based on their personality. Um, and that's a huge help in me having sex with somebody. And theoretically, there is someone who I could be completely not physically attracted to and still enjoy sex with because I am so attracted to their personality. That is definitely a thing that could happen. Oh. So that is the very short version of my journey to being pan, which all started from transition. Um, what about you, Aaron? So uh, for me, my... Who I am attracted to did not change, but my sexuality did, with the flip-flop. You know, I went from being a straight man to being a gay woman. Um, and I've mentioned before that I've always felt like I identified more on that side of being a lesbian rather than, well, anything else. Uh, but I had heard of some things changing when you get on HRT. Like, there are some people who are... Uh, having a total flip, such as what you had initially, or some yep. of the things. And I was a little bit concerned, because at the time, I was with a partner. They were a uh, female. And I was a little worried, initially, about starting HRT, of will this change my sexuality one way or the other? Uh, and what I've kind of discovered for myself is not that 
my sexuality changes, it's more like I'm more comfortable exploring certain parts of myself that I've been repressing just like everything else. Um, so I am still 100% attracted to women, pretty much any presentation of any sort. Um, I have questioned myself going like, am I bi? Are there any guys that I would like? And then like every time I look at pictures or anything or talk to guys or whatever, I'm just like, nope, there's up to this point, there has not been a single male that I've ever been like actually attracted to. Like there's a difference between that person looks good and that person looks hot to me. Like, mm -hmm. and of course you can use yeah. the word hot. So, sorry, Mike, but excuse me. But, uh, for me, that was a little reassuring, but some of my sexuality, I started exploring some more. Uh, if any of you have known me for more than a few minutes, and I try not to let this on, I have a massive, massive sex drive. Um, it has always been that way. And when I got put on HRT, my doctor said, okay, Aaron, this has a known side effect of killing sex drive, like 100%. And... I have been on HRT for six months now, and it's, there's literally no difference for me. It is... Same, same. <laughs> it is... Even after getting my testicles cut off, I still don't have a decreased libido. I still think about... I will say, like, I'm curious to know if this but, is true for you, um, but my libido went from being, like, a burning need, like, I have to get off, I have to have sex, I have to think about this, to, like... I still want to do it because it's fun, but that like whole need aspect for me is gone. Like, it's just like, if I'm in the mood, I'll do it. And I still get in the mood quite frequently, but I don't need to take care of it. I don't think, I very rarely had a need even before. It was more of a, mm. this is fun, I want to enjoy it kind of thing. Uh, obviously I got turned on at certain points where I'm like, I have to take care of this right now. And that still obviously happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, I was I was interested because I am a person who this is so simplifying things but if I don't like a food I'll try it a few months later a few years later and see how I feel about it later which is how I learned that I still enjoy pickles I don't die hard 100% love them but I am they they do go on food on a fairly regular basis now so I do the same thing with like as my life changes with new things like sexuality and I will see I will intentionally look up like a picture of a guy and go like, this is do anything for me. And I kind of analyze what I'm feeling and go like, no, like absolutely not. Um, and that may change in the future. It may not. I really don't know how I'm going to be affected by certain things or how I'm going to go down the road. But as of right now, I am a hundred percent about as gay as you're going to get. Um, and there's, there's just something different about seeing a woman for me that lights a literal, like, carnal reaction like a that's hot and then all the stuff inside that is usually involved starts kicking into gear too uh, and that never has happened with a guy for me um, now where my sexuality has actually evolved is in the exploration and enjoyment of the act itself um, for all all of my experience with anybody that I had it with before it was always vanilla it was, I am on top, I am going to be usually in a missionary position, 
we are going to go until we are both <laughs> off and then we are going to chill for a bit and then clean up and then go about our way whatever it is and that was it um i had obviously had some interesting kinks before but i had never really gotten a chance to explore them uh the closest i ever got to having toys involved were standard things here is a vibrator it is for your other partner you know um or here is a ring uh and it's there to help you last longer or to vibrate and feel good for you too um you know it was it was it was about as black and white plain jane as you're gonna get and it was okay you know it's kind of like that feeling of imagine if you had vanilla your entire life and then you got a taste of something a little more and then when i got comfortable with the fact that yeah i'm 100 percent gay i am liking this and i happened upon some areas that were exploring things like bdsm uh, and while I'm not like an active member of some BDSM community or anything, uh, I am, I, I do enjoy that kind of stuff, like, and maybe only mildly. I do in like, uh, enjoy things like uh, robes tying up, or at least the idea of doing that. Um, I found out uh, that I enjoy some pain, which is something I would never have thought. <laughs> Uh, I would, I like, I was very vehement before any of this transition that if you're going to pinch me, uh, spank me, hit me in any way, it's going to be done. I'm out the room. But that is the exact opposite case here. Uh, and so uh, I feel like getting more comfortable with myself helped me explore what I'm comfortable with because I didn't feel like I was trying to hide who I am and who I enjoy or what I enjoy. And so, for me, I've been spending some time evolving that aspect of going like, okay, so I do kind of like this tiny little part of this big world. What else might I like from it? And so, from there, that has, mm-hmm. where, that has been where I've been evolving and figuring things out of, okay, so there's this kind of play. Would I be interested in this kind of play? And then, obviously, I don't go out and buy fucking shock wands and light myself on fire for f- for experiments <laughs> but although if that's what you're into cool just don't don't get yourself <laughs> seriously hurt i'm, I'm the, cool. there are examples that i had seen before um but yeah well i, I have i have a few friends um who are into mm-hmm. that sort of thing and like so, i have i have no problem cool. with if what you float, like provided it is consenting and safe yep uh, agreed and so like okay. that that's kind of my two roles is like somebody can't be getting hurt unless they are asking to be hurt in a special way that is not permanently damaging and uh it has to be willing 100 percent willing on the participants yeah. uh and so th- those are my yep. two like stipulations now whereas before it was literally like it's going to be sex penis goes into this hole and then we do that and then we come and then we're done like it, it, yeah yeah and I'd always been a partner-focused person, but you were talking about being submissive, finding out you were submissive. Um, I've always been in a top position, always, but even before transition, I had some minor interest in in being submissive, uh, being on the bottom, or at the very least, literally physically being on the bottom uh, while not being necessarily in control. And uh, my partner at the time, or, well, I should say my past partners, uh, 
had never really given me an opportunity to do that. It was uncomfortable for them. They wanted it to be as plain as it could be. The wild, wildest I ever got was like a doggy style position or something. Like that's it. That that's as wild and crazy as oh, things got. That's sad. Because either it was physically impossible for a partner, or they just didn't enjoy it and wouldn't try it. So, uh, what I came to realize is that I actually can be what's called a switch. It's where you are comfortable being either in the top part position or the bottom. Uh, and that goes into not just where you are physically for me. That means that I found I really enjoy dirty talk to a point. Uh, not 100% of the time. It's not every time. But like I can get an added level of enjoyment out of that. Uh, and being the one who says something to a submissive, uh, asking them to do something, or being the one that doles out whatever physical stimulation they're looking for, uh, the one being in charge of a situation. Now, I also found that I can really enjoy being on the bottom too. So with being submissive, uh, I, I found that I am okay receiving things in various orifices I suppose that's the most like awkward way I could put that but <laughs> being on bottom like I'm, I'm okay with that and I experimented first yeah. with toys with myself to see like am I okay probably with cheap toys is probably not the best thing but I wouldn't got something that was like you know 15 20 bucks um cheap toys are slight tangent cheap toys are the best way to start in my opinion um because you won't know if you like it. And so if you go out and spend $100 on an expensive dildo, and then you're like, you can't return I it. don't like this. <laughs> yeah, you physically, goes it is a health hazard. Goodbye. You cannot return that to anybody. Yeah. So start with, yeah, start with cheap toys. Start with something small, something cheap, something to get you mm -hmm. going, and then work your way up. If you really right. like it, then you can spend the money on expensive mm -hmm. toys. So, so you so, made the right choice. <laughs> Brief attainment. So like physically, I, I, <laughs> I found out that I really enjoyed being on the receiving end of certain things. Um, Ha uh, but that also applies to things like the dirty talk, being told you're something. Uh, it's a, it, for me, this can be like a really big, almost a theater for two, or however many participants you have. Uh, it's a, it's a literal gameplay. Yes. It's a role yep. play. I really enjoy uh, certain aspects of there being somebody who is on the authoritarian side of things and somebody who is the underling, so to speak. Uh, that is a fun aspect uh, for me to be on either end. I like the uh, in control on top giving orders kind of side a little more uh, than the other, which is fine. Uh, but like it, it changed a lot of how I saw myself. I started researching a whole bunch more stuff and I've been able to really enjoy myself and explore myself in ways that... I had always had like a small inkling towards, but I had never really been given a real chance to explore it, even on my own, because uh, I got a lot of dysphoria when I tried to do it uh, pre-transition, but I didn't know what the feeling was. And so I associated that feeling with that research of, oh, I don't like it when there is a guy doing this to a girl. and. Since I had never had a chance to explore being the girl on the bottom, I could insert myself supposedly. But uh, even to a certain extent, with that dysphoria, it, it, it ruined 
any sort of experiences that I try to give myself that way, even if it was just watching a video or doing research. So the dysphoria that I got would be really, really intense. And I think I associated that with being in the BDSM community some way or another. But hmm. now I'm totally cool with it. I like it. So even if it is just tiny toe in water. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something you said that really sticks with me that I like a lot. Because, like, if you had told me three years ago that, like, oh, the reason you aren't into this stuff is because you don't feel comfortable exploring it, I would have thought you were being silly. Because three years ago, me was part of the furry community, and I'm like, the furry community is, like, the furry community is not only about sex, but it is very open about sex. And so there's a lot of talk about it. There's there's a lot about how to do it safely, uh, how to experiment, things you can experiment with. Like, I had experience with various different toys very early on, even though I never inserted them into myself um, up until that one fateful night that led to where we are now. Um, but I had experimented a lot with sex. I'd done a lot of stuff. We'd done stuff like handcuffs. We'd done stuff like anal. We'd done stuff like butt plugs. We'd done all that sort of stuff pretty early on on my partner just never on me um and so i'd gotten i'd gotten pretty used to experimenting in the bedroom being okay with that but i never particularly experimented with what i liked like yeah we did all this stuff but it always led to penis in vagina and i you was never like predi- cool. i'm sorry you broke up there you never experimented with what i never experimented with it on myself right like it was always like stuff to do on on another partner Right? Like, like handcuffs went on someone else. Butt plugs went in someone else. Stuff like that, right? Um, And so, like, there was this play, but it wasn't until, like, I experimented being the submissive one that I started experimenting with doing those things. Like, like with those things being done to me instead of being the one doing them. And so, what was interesting was, through the process of transition, like, the more I started exploring myself, the more... That's when I really started, like, being comfortable with exploring other stuff. And I... I think back to like like pre-transition me um who had not yet figured out that they were trans like the reason I wasn't comfortable with having sex with men is because the thought was like I'm not into gay sex between men right like that isn't a thing that does it for me but at the same time I would have fantasies where I was the girl for a man and in that situation I could be like interested in men but I'm like oh I'm not a girl so I'm not interested in men See, that's something that I've been having to deal with is that idea of experimenting with are you okay being with a man? And that's one of the things that has been difficult is trying to feel that self-insert of being the girl on the receiving end. Yeah. Um, And Mm. when you watch or read or whatever you do, um, I I try to put myself in that position of like, okay, I'm enjoying this, but every time there are alarm bells going off and I, it, it's distracting, it causes me yeah. dysphoria to feel some of that stuff. And like the only way that I can actually enjoy it is thinking it's a trans girl. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so like, but for me, it, it took, cause you said this, like the, the, you've been exploring more because you now feel like comfortable exploring it. And it took, me getting to the point where I was already exploring this, like I'd already broken down the barrier of I'm I'm a woman, right? Like I'd already broken down that barrier. And at that point it was like, well, once that barrier came down, everything else is a small hill to jump over. It's like, oh wow, I'm into sex with men. 
cool, great, tiny little step to get over that barrier versus the giant wall I just Kool-Aid man my way through, <laughs> right? Like, so all of these other, all of this other stuff of like being submissive and, and being interested in, in like um, pursuing men, all of that stuff came much easier once I had gotten used to the idea that like, I'm not who I thought I was. And so when I mentioned that like my attraction to men drastically changed when I started HRT, I think that was like, I don't think HRT makes you interested in men. Like, I don't think having estrogen in your body makes you want dick. I, like, I think I am a 100% confirmation yeah, of that. Yeah, you're an example of that, right? But what I do think it was, was like starting estrogen for me was very much like, okay, this is real. This is this is officially a thing. This is who I am. And like, for me, starting starting HRT was, it was the switch in my brain. My brain was no longer like, you're a guy who wants to pretend to be a girl. It's like, you're a girl who's trying to just actually be a girl. Um, and once that switch was flipped, my brain was like, so if I'm a girl, but I, and, I, and I'm not interested in gay sex between men, but now I'm a girl, all of a sudden, men are on the menu. <laughs> and that was when like everything switched for me. That was when I started having fantasies about being involved with men, because like now it wasn't that, scenario that I didn't like. It was a scenario that I very, very, very much liked. Um, right. And it was only through exploring that that I, I figured that out and that I, like, I had to get comfortable with who I was first to be able to explore that. That's also why, like, when I got to the point where I was ready to go from being straight and only into men to being pan, right, like, I had already gotten used to this idea of exploring who I was, asking myself questions, figuring out, am I okay with this? Is this a thing I like? And it made exploring that much, much easier. It also helped that I had two partners who were very fun to interact with. Um, and uh, that certainly helped making it feel comfortable. It's, it was, I will say, a lot easier to explore with a trans woman because like if I started having dysphoria and had to stop, like they immediately understood what was going on and are like, okay, this is fun. Yep. Like I, this I is just a thing. I didn't think about that, yeah. Yeah. It's, I could see that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot more awkward when you're with a cisgendered person to be like, I can't do this, I'm having dysphoria. Because yeah. they don't necessarily yeah. directly understand the pain of gender dysphoria. I, but I've, with, had a, I've had situations like that. So yeah, yeah. No, that, is, that is something that is uncomfortable for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. And so it made it a lot easier to go, like, because again, I was coming from the perspective of, I think I'm just straight. But having someone who's like, if I get gender dysphoric, now we can talk about it and we can take the gender dysphoria out of it. And now I could go from... Or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, specifically what it was is it was like, once... The, the reason I thought I was straight is because it made me dysphoric to be... It, like, it made me dysphoric to be with a woman and huh. have gay sex with a woman. Because, huh. like... Specifically, it was about using my penis was what was making me dysphoric. Being the top in the relationship is what was making me dysphoric. And so by figuring out that it was just dysphoria, I could overcome that dysphoria, which I was able to. Um, and I could focus on what aspects of it I enjoyed and what parts I wanted to pursue with another woman. And then all of a sudden, dysphoria was gone. And I was like, hey, this is just fun. It was just dysphoria holding me back. But I had to get to the point where I had the tools to handle those situations to be able to figure that out. Right, um, right. And it was, so like, it was only through exploring myself that I became comfortable with exploring that aspect of my sexuality, which is why now 
here we are, and I'm happily pan, and recognize that I am pan, and enjoy it. And more importantly, the other thing, by the way, not just pan, I also finally recognize that, like, I am very much a switch. I'm just a switch who leans towards bottom. So, like, oh, so you're like the exact opposite of me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I prefer to be a bottom, but I really can enjoy being a top if I'm in the right mood. Yeah, same here, except reverse it. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a lot of the experience that I've had. Um, I mean, there's a few other things that I've explored because I've explored casual sex as part of my um, like as part of my year off from relationships um, that I took. Um, but I think in terms of like my sexuality and my sexual preferences, that's been a bulk of my journey. What about you? Is there any other things that come to your mind, like specifically with sexuality and sexual preference? So I've never, I've never had an opportunity for any sort of casual sex or anything like that. Uh, it's not all it's chalked up to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just because at the time of my life, the way my life has played out, I was either a super uh, closeted uh, person at a conservative university where even if I wanted to, mm -hmm. there were not opportunities available due to the way that things were run. I was uh, married or in a relationship or uh, we weren't open at certain points. Uh, we, at, at the time of the relationship, the one that I was in when we started, uh, we did experiment with being a little more open. However, that was a little... Uh, it, it, we talked about it being poly, uh, though... In hindsight, it was probably more like too monogamous or just like an open relationship because of who they were interacting with and who I was interacting with and how there was n literally no crossover. And so we, we have experimented with that. But as far as like actual sexuality, mine has just kind of uh, stayed almost the same. It's just how I enjoy it is different. So with the reference to Polly or whatever, we are talking like, oh, so I like this. Can I try this and like this too? Um, versus, oh, I'm definitely uh, attracted to men now. I'm 100% uh, going to yeah. the bottom from all this. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think like I'm also in the stages of trying to figure out if I'm poly, if I'm monogamous, but enjoy casual sex or like group sex, that sort of stuff. Because like, one huge advantage to being in a poly relationship is group sex is way easier to set up. <laughs> um, but like downside is then you have, cause like the things I've been, so this is something like that we're talking about. Um, cause Aaron and I have talked about this off air, uh, in the sense that like, we both talked about how we feel about being poly, by the way, if you are curious and don't know what poly means, uh, poly means polyamorous. I'm sorry. Um, I've yeah. So it that. means, uh, the diff it's, it's monogamous or polyamorous. Uh, monogamous means exclusive relationship. Polyamorous can take many forms. Um, for some people, it means it's an open relationship. Uh, for some people, it means it's they have multiple partners and those aren't just like casual sex it's like they are partners. they are like an actual you have like everything you do with boyfriend one you do with boyfriend two or girlfriend one girlfriend two non-monogamy non yeah. is more what i hear for those who are seeking casual experiences or those with friends yeah. that don't want to have like the whole move in together yeah. budget together kind of experience yeah um also polyamory can lead to other organizations of family um so like a triad for example where it's three people who are equally committed to e to each other so 
it would be the equivalent of everyone is married to everyone else and there's three people yeah. in the relationship that's the best way to think of it um there's also like you can start getting even further into this there's a podcast i listen to uh where the podcast host is uh calls himself a relationship anarchist uh which means like he doesn't give a shit about labels there's no such thing as labels it's just you if you know him you have a relationship and it's whatever the fuck that is hmm. um I can uh, see that. so like it there are so many ways for it to go yeah. uh, monogamy and polyamory are the two that like come up the most because they're the most polar opposites um mm -hmm. yeah. but there's there's a bunch there's like relationship anarchy is like extreme polyamory um and but there's like everything in the middle mm. um if you're curious and want information a wonderful book you should listen to is called the ethical slut yes go check that out yes. it uh, uh if, you, I to if it we were Karen sponsored by it. fucking audible this is where we would insert a free audible trial but we're not i know right buy it, motherfuckers <laughs> Exactly, right? Like, if we had a sponsorship, this would be the prime opportunity. We're talking about a book that I literally listened to through Audible. Yep. Huh. I need to finish anyway. that book. I think I got started um, at 14 or something. Yeah, I finished it all the way through. It, it has a lot of focus on opening up existing relationships, which wasn't super applicable for me because I was single at the time and considering getting into a poly relationship. Mm. Um but there's still a lot of good advice there, and it's it's a great resource to learn my, about it. Our, our uh, my my therapist recommended that one to me uh, because yeah. of what we had been do trying at the time with opening poly with a relationship, so it was perfect for us. Um, yeah. So I I think I listened to about I said fourteen. It's probably more like six or seven, honestly. But um, it was really interesting. It started at a time in my life where I was questioning literally everything about who I am, uh, trying to figure out, okay, my name's Aaron, who the hell is that? What do I like? What am I yeah. okay with? What are my boundaries? And that that was a really good book uh, because it does help you. Ba boundaries are, I think they're talked about in like chapter four, chapter three or four. Oh yeah, it, it does a lot of delving into boundaries. It also talks about like, uh, the, the one that was most helpful for me was jealousy. Um, it talks a lot about how to manage jealousy, how to deal with it, how to talk about mm -hmm. it. Um, I don't want to get super into discussing the, the, the qualities of ethical slut, because right, right. like, this, is, this is not the show, but definitely go check it mm -hmm. out if hearing the word Polly and you're like, that might be me, great resource. Go check out Ethical yeah. Slut. Super recommend it. And if, even if it, you're just like, I don't know if that's me, go check it out. You'll it, know. It was a very, uh, I mean, we say we're going to stay off it, and I am going to go off this with a tangent, but that, that talk about boundaries... Uh, and establishing what those are, I've applied to not just my sex life and my yeah. uh, relationships, but it's good for fucking everything because I, I guess I had never mm -hmm. heard of it established that way. I hear of like rules yeah. and you can't do this or expectations, but having something yeah. that is like a boundary for whatever reason, that, that, that phrasing of it helps click in my head of, okay, this friend is not okay with this. This person is okay with this. And how do I establish this? And going into work relationships of saying, this person has a boundary of they are not going to talk to me about this kind of stuff. They also are not going to want to see this. I don't want to show them this side yeah. of me, so they are not going to get access to this kind of stuff. And so I, it's yeah. helped me a lot. That, that was, that's really useful. Um, also, like, again, like, we'll hop off this tangent shortly, but um, the, the, like, I mentioned the chapter on jealousy briefly. Um, that chapter on jealousy talks a lot about just managing jealousy in general. Um, and like, how do you deal with it? How do you handle it? Because like, for me, as someone who is coming from like, like 
I would always expect other people to solve my jealousy for me. If someone did something to make me jealous, I would be like, that's your fault, I'm jealous because of you. No, I'm jealous because you passed a boundary that I had that I didn't know about that we didn't properly mm -hmm. set, or I'm jealous for some internal insecurity that I need to fix. And actually, that chapter is the reason I was able to finally identify what was causing me to have gender dysphoria while topping. Huh. Because I, I, I went from viewing that gender dysphoria as just, I can't do this because I'm not into that, it's not my sexuality, to actually sitting down and analyzing it, right? Like that chapter talks a lot about when you experience emotional pain, jealousy is a form of emotional pain in the same way that anger or depression or sadness is. When you feel that emotional pain, that chapter talks a lot about how you analyze what caused it. How do you sit down and ask those questions and say, why do I feel like this? And those questions are what led me to figure out why I felt the way I felt about topping. Um, and so like that chapter alone, even if you're not interested in being poly, is worth it for the useful life skill of being able to examine your own negative emotions. Yeah. Um, very, I, very useful. Super recommend the book. I am, I'm a person who much prefers like self-help and kind of shit over fantasy books if i if i'm doing fantasy and stuff i prefer to uh watch it or listen to it rather than read it uh and because of that i have pretty high standards in my library my physical library is pretty fucking tiny uh this book i like it's good enough to buy so yeah to put in perspective by the way how good this book is um I hate self-help bo self -help books. I don't read them. I don't care. I have no interest in reading them. If I sit down to read a book, it's because I want to read a fantasy or science fiction story. I am basically the polar opposite in reading interest of Aaron. <laughs> and I love this book. I've considered buying a copy of it. So very useful book. Yes. Super recommended. Anyway, um, the reason I got onto the whole, like, I, I don't know if I remember exactly how we got we onto this topic. I know we were talking Polly, but the reason we were talking Polly, um, okay, um, so getting back on the original topic and off the topic of how amazing the ethical <laughs> slut is, um, I, so Aaron, you talked about your experiences trying to figure out if you were Polly and that sort of stuff. I've been trying to figure out as well if I'm Polly. Um, I don't know if the Polly label ex works a hundred percent for me. Um, I don't know if a Polly, like a polyamorous relationship is one that I'm interested right. in. Um, part of the reason for that is just I've done casual sex, um, and it could just be, like, like I've had, I think at this point, five casual partners, um, which led to some fun stuff, like, that's how I got to have my first threesome, uh, was through casual sex, like, Good that was you. nice, but, yeah, it was fun. But for me, like, and I think this ties into heavily that I, that I am a pansexual person, um, a large part of the reason I enjoy sex and um, relationships in general is attachment. Um, I like people's personalities. I like getting attached to them. And so casual sex specifically, there's no attachment. Like, it's literally, it almost feels like a business transaction, right? Like, if you went and looked at my messages where I'm setting up casual sex with people, like, if you took out the words, like, sex and replaced it with, like, I don't know, trading magic cards... It would be almost exactly the same, right? It's like, like, like the first initial message is like, "Hey, I'd like to meet up with you too." Okay, I'm going forward. I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna, if I say the word "trade magic cards" for the rest of this episode, it means sex. So, 
you, they are they are 100 interchangeable and you'll hear what i'm saying um the conversations would go like this for casual sex it's like i would like to set up trading magic cards with you is there a time where we could both go and make sure that the cards are safe and actually real okay so that's like setting up std tests right um, so then you like figure out a time where you can get the cards tested to make sure they're real and legitimate. Then you go set up a time where you can specifically meet and you're like, okay, we can meet to trade cards at Saturday at 6 p.m. We'll meet at this hotel because I don't have a good place to meet and you don't have a good place to meet. So we'll just meet up at a hotel with a room. Uh, it'll take three or four hours ish for us to go through everything we need to do. I'll go through and thoroughly check the cards to make sure I got everything and it's all good. We'll get the trade nice and done. We'll both leave happy. Um, we'll both just come and go. <laughs> right like it literally like the conversation it's the same conversation the only difference is when you're trading magic cards you don't do it at a hotel and you don't spend the night it was like set up you do the deed you have sex you go home that's it there's no attachment there's no physical connection you just have sex and you leave and it's like it's a business relationship and that's not really something that i enjoy right i very much and I very much like the best sex in the world for me is when it's sex with a partner where you really know each other inside and out, but do um, and also like, <sighs> you know what each other person wants. Um, there's this depth of experience you get when you both have this connection and you've had sex multiple times that you don't that get with casual palm. sex. That face palm is audible. I just want to point that Perfect. out. Perfect. Yes. Good. I'm glad the listeners should hear how hard that 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 pun impacted. Um, but for me, it's just like the casual sex experiences I've had don't hold a candle to the experiences I've had with partners in relationships. Um, and that's been like, long story short, like there's been, I don't think either Aaron or I have a good answer of whether we're poly or not, but our process of exploring this topic and figuring out if it's something we want has been i think for me at the very least it's been because i've finally like i've mentioned i have the tools to explore this and question this and figure out if this is what i want from transition um if i would have never thought like if you told me three years ago that i would have had casual sex with five men Three years ago, me would have been would have slapped you at the words casual sex because three years ago, me didn't believe in casual sex and then would have slapped you at the word men because you're insulting his dignity. <laughs> and yet here we are. And I've didn't done it. And I have the fucking tooth fairy. What? I didn't believe in yeah. casual sex. No, it was very fairy. much like like past me had a lot of stupidity <laughs> three years ago me, about literally every human ever. yeah but like like actual phobias like three years ago me was mildly transphobic well okay not three years ago me because we're now getting literally by so that was about when you september october yeah so next month will be my three-year anniversary of like questioning that i'm trans mm -hmm. so let's go four years ago me because three years ago me was a very different person four years ago me uh, I have to start updating all my analogies. I have to start adding a year now. It's weird. Um, I hate that one. Especially when people ask how old you are. You're like, I'm this. No, wait. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. People ask me how old I am. And I'm like, I think. Uh, um, <laughs> yep. I can do math. Don't judge. <laughs> um, anyway, so like four years ago, me was mildly transphobic, mildly homophobic. Definitely like polyphobic, if that's a thing. 
Um, and also like was like casual sex is stupid. Why would you ever have casual sex? That's just dangerous and shouldn't be allowed, right? Casual me was a, or four years ago me was a dick bag. <laughs> uh, long story short, but through transition and through questioning, I've gotten the ability to look at myself and and try and understand why I feel the way I feel, and that's led me to the current question that I'm asking myself, which is, am I poly? Is this a thing I want to be interested in? See, that's that's um, fucking what I love. It's like, I am a very introspective person. I like to think and ask myself the same questions I've asked myself before to try to figure out different answers. If my answer is different, if it's the same, why is it the same? Why is it different? Why do I not care about this answer when previously I was so emphatic about it? Like, I love that kind of shit in that analysis, which is why I love the self-help books and stuff, is I'll go back and watch uh, old videos that I used to love and I hate them now and I don't understand why sometimes and so I'll be like well what changed in me that oh well I started experiencing this and I got to see this and now I don't like this or I do like something that I didn't like previously and so it's that exploration I love the exploration of myself um, I, I very much believe that I'm a lifelong learner kind of person somebody who if you give me anything to do on like I have one task and that's the only thing I can do it's going to be to teach myself I don't care what it will be literally anything I will spend the rest of eternity just wandering around the planet grabbing how-to books watching people do things and all that and so that's where I love the sexuality talk so much is because I don't talk about it much unless I'm with like a close friend sex and sexuality is a huge part of who I am I really enjoy it mm -hmm. it's a very big part of what I enjoy most about life and all of that. And so finding out this whole new world, I, I'm not singing the song of... It's a whole new world. <laughs> I, I, I would if my voice was not literally dying right That's now. That's the only line of the song that I know, so... I definitely don't listen to Disney playlist on repeat for nine hours straight every day. Um, <laughs> anyway, but like... It, it's a very important thing for me is learning and with another thing for me that's important is sex be that enjoying sexual experiences alone with a partner with multiple partners or how to best have it with a single partner uh, so that they get the most out of it whereas you can just kind of have that satisfaction of them getting it i love that kind of stuff i love learning especially when it comes down to making something enjoyable for other people whatever that is and so that has been something that I have loved about this transition is that I get to explore something that I've always loved about myself, even if it has had that series of repression that's gone along with it. And so that is something that I get very excited about. As you can tell, I am dying from being sick and I'm still this energetic about this topic because mm -hmm. it's so important yeah. of, okay, what toys am I going to like? Am I going to like this kind of thing? Am, do I, am I okay with binding? And what about fire? Am I cool with fire? I don't know. What about knives? What about this? What about that? What about the other thing? And trying to if I can't immediately experience that for myself in some manner, then finding ways to uh, simulate that through watching a video or watching how it's done or talking to people who've had it done and really uh, giving myself that experience as best I can so that I can see whether or not I like it so that I can learn for myself and talk about it with other people. Hearing you talk about that, like that is, for a long time, I didn't ask myself questions and I wasn't introspective um, because I was scared of the answers. Um, four years ago, me was scared he'd actually be gay and be interested in dating men. Um, and so never stopped to ask the question of, is this a thing I want? Which 
well, four years ago, me, if you'd asked that question, we would have been at this point we're at now a year ago. So fuck you for not asking the question. <laughs> um, but the like it took it took transition and breaking down like the walls that I had around my interior self and trying to figure that out. That's led me to the point where I'm trying to explore those things and trying to explore those questions and break old habits of being like, if something makes me uncomfortable, I don't talk about it. Um, and for me, like transition is starting to give me or may have already given me those tools that you are talking about you finding so important of exploring sex. And like, it's made me more interested in trying other stuff in sex and other types of relationships. It made me more interested in who I'm attracted to and who I'm not attracted to. Um, and so I think that's been, that's been a good thing that like, I've, I've started to learn some of the tools that you say you value. Um, it's been nice. It's probably the best thing that's happened to me in transition. Aside from like, obviously being done with transition. Right. Yeah. Like transitioning is the best thing, but the second best thing is the ability to look introspectively. Yeah. Yay. Well, I think that's everything I wanted to say about sexuality. Um, we might revisit that polyamory thing. Maybe. Again, because I feel like. You and I are going to be self-exploring that. It's a thing you and I have talked about and, and explored, and maybe someday we'll Yeah, there's a lot of aspects to it have... that, like, are really interesting and very complex. And so, like, yeah. when you're thinking about it for yourself, especially when you're, like, not, <laughs> you, you haven't had that experience before. Like, that is, that is a hard thing. Like, a real, true, yeah. what is poly experience. That's a hard thing to go like, yes, I'm this without having experienced it. And it's also hard to experience it without hurting other people. And so, mm -hmm. because in the end, whether you are or not, and you get in a relationship with somebody or you don't get in a relationship with somebody and you're saying, I think I'm poly and they come in monogamous, then you've hurt them. Or flip side of that, you come in saying I'm poly. And then it turns out you're really monogamous and only attracted to, I don't know, one partner or one or the other whoever that is and not so much the other you're hurting somebody else in that relationship too so there's a lot to talk about yeah. that or is hard to explore and i don't think we could possibly come close to touching on any of these subjects in one podcast right now yeah i feel like polyamory especially because this is one that i've wanted to talk about um so i'm glad we kind of got to bring it up in the let's talk about sex because um, it is it is related to sex and sexuality um polyamory i mean polyamory is how you arrange your relationships instead of just how you fuck um but it is a big it is a big part of it and it's an important question to ask um and it's something that we might explore later on the podcast when maybe the both of us have better answers uh one thing i will say real quick uh, i talked about having casual sex and i do want to preface that with if casual sex i highly recommend if it's something that sounds interesting to you um explore it give it a chance i learned a lot from spending a year with n no relationship and just having sex with people if I was interested in having sex with them. I learned a lot about myself through doing that. Um, and ultimately, I think it made me more confident in who I am and feel sexier. Um, I only started exploring it after I went full time. I didn't feel comfortable doing it before then. Um, but like, I would say a large part of my confidence is my ability nowadays, like I feel like I am a sexy person because I was able to have sex with people and, and get dates and be involved in that culture. Um, and so I, I think it's worth exploring if it's something you're interested in. If casual sex sounds like a thing that you want to try, give it a try. I will say, if you're going to give it a try, make sure you do it safely. Because if you're going from a monogamous relationship where you only have sex with one person, the safety is literally like, did you get 
STD tested before you started dating? If so, yes, great. Now there's no way you have STDs because it's just the two of you. With casual sex, when you're getting partners and you're 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 having sex with multiple people, make sure you're getting regular STD I... testing. Set up your own boundaries and pursue it safely. But make sure you're aware that it's a very different kind of safe that you need. Yeah, to Yeah, and let me let me interject here with one thing that I learned. Uh, it's different testing based off your state. Um, I yes, am in a absolutely. highly Look it up state. for your state specifically. And so uh, getting tested can be a challenge. Our health clinic in our town offers, I believe they offer free testing uh, for certain members or for certain circumstances or if you can just call and do it. However, uh, in a city that is like half a million, quarter of a million, however big, uh, they only have one center. And they f only go from the working business hours of eight to like four and it is a first come first serve basis with no chance of appointments so you can only mm -hmm. call in as soon as those doors open up and say can i get in today and they are going to tell you yes or no and so if you yeah. work five days a week like i do uh it can be exceptionally hard to get tested and if you don't go to a free health clinic they wanted to charge me literally 500 dollars to get a simple three test done so be yeah. careful yeah um uh it does vary state by state so make sure you check um a good place to ask what what your state looks like in terms of doing this um is uh, if you have a primary care physician um go check in with them and ask um I know, for example, my insurance covers STD tests as free, um, so long as if you're getting them done regularly, so I can get them done through my doctor for no cost to me, uh, aside from my normal, like, copay and that sort of thing. Um, but it's significantly reduced rates than if I did it outside of my insurance. Also, um, it does vary state to state. So the situation that Aaron just described, here in Indiana, there is a wonderful place in Indiana called the Damien Center, which... So if you're in Indiana, by the way, uh, the, and you're, you want to get STD testing, the Damien Center does it for free. Um, they do have stipulations, which is, I think it's, it's either, you can only get tested through the Damien Center every six months or every once a year. I forget what, I think it's six months. Um, but like, it's literally a walk-in clinic that costs you no money. You just show up on one of the days they do the free testing at any one of their locations or their mobile testing unit. Um, you just show up at that location that it's at and you get tested. Um, you just walk in, fill out the form, sit down, and they'll see you as soon as they're available. Um, and from my experience with that place, they are available pretty much whenever, um, so long as you're there during normal testing hours. So, um, and obviously that's a significant difference from what Erin experienced where she is. Right. So just keep an eye out on the resources available in your state do some google searches talk to your doctor if you can um but definitely um std testing condoms whatever make sure if you're going to get involved in an open sexual lifestyle you do it safely the last thing you want is to have one night of fun and end up with a disease that you can't get rid of for the rest of your life anyway um was there anything else you wanted to say on that topic aaron uh no i think i am ready to go ahead and move on to our really silly thing yeah Yay. let's do this so our really silly thing this week is very different from any other really silly thing we've done um because right. we've never done one about food but yeah. this was a great idea we're gonna talk about that's right ramen our favorite yeah. ramen yay um so okay so i have i have two um the first is like if i'm at home i am trash 
with ramen. I like, like literally like the cheap ass 99 cent ramen packets. I'll just fucking grab that. And like, I won't even add the extra seasoning. I'll just use the seasoning packets. When I'm at home, that's good enough. Oh <laughs> that's my ramen oh. at home. Like I am, oh, I am ramen eating trash. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is so gross. What about your other one? You said you so my two. other one is a restaurant. Um, if you're in Indiana, uh, there's there's one I haven't tried if you're in Indiana, which is called Ramen Rays. Um, it's it's in downtown Indianapolis, I think. I've heard it's phenomenal. Um, but uh, like all they do is ramen. But there's another one. Uh, on the south side of Indy, there's a phenomenal little Burmese restaurant called Kimu. Uh, I think it's, it's called Kimu Restaurant, K-I-M-U. Uh, it's just in a little strip mall, unassuming. They have phenomenal Burmese food, but they also serve ramen, and it's fucking delicious. Um, like, I've never had ramen that good. It's so good. It's prepared traditional style, done by traditional Burmese cooks, and it's absolutely delicious. Super recommended. Awesome. That's so cool. I've never had ramen from, like, a restaurant. I'm going to say that right now. Oh, look up. See if there's any in your place. Um, otherwise, if you come to Indiana, I'll have to show you because it's good. It's real good. Like, what um, is it called? Uh, ki- well, the one in mine is Kimu Restaurant. It's not a chain. It's like a local store. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but um, you're saying look up a ramen restaurant. Yeah, I would look up and see because ramen ramen at restaurants is very different. Um, so like the the ramen at Kimu Restaurant, there's three different varieties, but the one that I get has like, it's got corn. It's got um. It has pork One of the places it. listed is a place I used to work at in high school. Ah. Well, that <laughs> sucks. That is not a ramen place. What are you talking about? Um, it's also like, it's always served with an egg on top that's been cooked in a specific way. It uses traditional ramen noodles. Um, so definitely, uh, it's a very different experience, right? Like the ramen I've had, because like I've also had like instant ramen that has like the dried vegetables in it. And that's always like, that is a meal you have that is cheap. When you go out to a ramen restaurant, like it is an actual meal. It's, it's, <laughs> it, I mean, you're going out to a restaurant and you're getting really good quality food. Um, so if you can find a good ramen place that does it uh, in your area, super recommended. It's a very different experience. Like they are both called ramen and they are nothing alike. Yes, I, I agree with that. Uh, however, I'm not. I'm, do I want to talk about the one that I'm about to go have the second that we stop recording? Or yes, do, I want do to talk it. About the do one it. that's my favorite. Why not both? Do both. I, I, I want to see which one's first. Uh, so the very first one that I want to talk about. You're saying that it's like a meal. Uh, I got introduced uh, to this one by a partner, and they found it at Costco. And being totally honest, I can't tell you the name off the top of my head, but there's only like one type of Costco ramen that does this, as far as I know. It is flash frozen with fresh vegetables like carrots and bell peppers and uh shallots they have either grilled yeah it's grilled uh chicken breast inside a soy sauce broth and it is fucking phenomenal for a microwave ramen sounds delicious it is i'm gonna go do it right now because it is my chicken noodle soup for my sick sick voice um it is so fucking good. Um, it's literal, like, I won't say it's restaurant quality. If you pay if you pay at a restaurant and get that, you need to go to a new place. However, it is so much better than any of the little packet shit that you'll get because it's got real meat and veggies in it. However, 
there is something that gives it a serious run for its money. And I can't spell this for you because I only see it in uh, South Korean and I don't know how to do ah. the English translation of this. However, I know yeah. the name of it. It is called Bulldog Young. I believe that's what it's called. Uh, however, you will recognize it because it's the packaging that's got an angry, chibi, cheesy chicken on it. Uh, it is a little, fat, round uh, chicken with angry eyes. Sometimes it is holding a Swiss cheese wedge. Uh, that is my favorite, the cheesy chicken flavor. And it is also probably the hottest food I eat on the regs. Um, I will buy a packet of that stuff for like 12 bucks. It gets you like six of them. It is a little pricey for ramen, but it's totally worth it. It comes with an, an actual sauce packet. It's got a little bit of thing. However, if you eat it uh, Seoul style, the way that some of my friends from South Korea have eaten it, uh, you get a crappy piece of American cheese, like something like Kraft or something. You make the ramen and then you put a slice of cheese on top of it. Or you can do what I do, which is get some better cheese. Uh, Munster is good, but it will like totally wreck your stuff. And, uh, and when I say wreck your stuff, not your insides, unless you're lactose intolerant, which duh, uh, it will stick on forks. So you have to be careful with that. Uh, that's why they use the American stuff is because it's fake cheese. It just like comes off. Uh, <laughs> but what I've also done is I have cracked an egg into it and cooked it, essentially poached it by mixing it in like that. Um, and it is the most delicious ramen I've ever had in my entire life. I'm not even exaggerating. Um, it is super fucking hot. Uh, this is the ramen that around like 2015 was a challenge eating ramen. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. Uh, if you have ever seen Pro ZD, he is a former Vine star, now kind of turned YouTube star. He's super fucking funny. Uh, but he also does ramen reviews. Uh, and he has done this one. And he has a pretty high spice tolerance. And even he calls this thing like a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Like, it's it's pretty fucking good. In fact, the first time I ate it, I couldn't get three bites down and then my mouth went numb. Oh my goodness. However, wow. it was so fucking delicious that I could not stop until, like, my body finally fully rejected it. It was just like, nope, you're going to make yourself sick if you keep trying to eat this spicy demon food that you were trying to shove down our gullet. So, what did I do? Like, two days later, I went out, bought another packet, and ate it. Uh, and I will sometimes make it with only half of the spice packet because the noodles they use are, like, real ramen noodles. They are, like, preserved because they're ramen noodles, but they're, like, thick, chewy, good ramen noodles. The sauce that's in it is so delicious. There's a little bit of kimchi that you can add to it. The cheesy flavor, honestly, isn't present. However, I have had it without the cheesy stuff, the just the regular. I prefer the cheese. I can't taste the cheese, but whatever they do to it, I prefer that taste. It is so damn good, and it's it's still of that $2, $1 ramen, so go down to your local Asian market and see if you can find it. It'll be in a little yellow packaging with a weird chibi, cheeky, chibi cheesy chicken on top. That's amazing. I have to try both of those now. Yes. Which sucks because that means I need to buy a Costco membership. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have individual packets, but the things that I buy, they come in like things of six. And I'm already like through one and I bought it like last Saturday. <laughs> oh, wow. It's All good. Right. It sounds good. 
Well, now that we've potentially made you either horny or hungry, or, or both. both, why not both? Uh, I both think that's good. everything we wanted to talk about. Was there anything else that you wanted to say, Aaron? I love our trans siblings. Yes, I love our trans siblings, too. Well, this has been Transistor Radio, a Story Thus Far network podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to talk about, please send us an email at staff at storythusfar.com with the subject with uh, TSR or Transistor Radio in the subject line. You can send a tweet at our Twitter page, which is at Story Thus Far uh, is the handle, or you can contact us at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash story thus far. And if you're like me and can't remember anything that I just said for more than 30 seconds, you can always head over to www www.storythusfar.com and find everything I just mentioned and even more great content. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of Transistor Radio. Uh, We'll catch up with you next time, but for now, it's time for us to end transmission. Bye! Bye! I tried doing that one while just looking at you and not the thing. Oh my god. Uh, so if this stays in the episode, that lightsaber sound was Aaron's vibrator. One of them. One of them. And this clicky sound is the fidget cube that I've been spinning in my hand. That's her, that's her. That's her kink right there. It's fidget cubes. Hell yeah. <laughs> fidget cubes. Fidget cubes just get me real going. I can't not fidget cube. Oh, oh, man. As soon as I just see one in the bedroom, I'm instantly turned on on my knees, let me tell you. They make it so enticing with a little metal nipple. It's yeah, it's exactly right. Right? Right? I know, right? Like this clicking. Hot. Yeah, it just gets you off. Hot and bothered. <laughs> kind of like the ramen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you, when you, get, when you get tired of one click... It's got multiple, oh gosh. and they all sound different, so then you can get off even more. Oh my gosh.